You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. I have counted the days since I last saw you. (laughs) That's so appropriate this week. That's hilarious. Alan Seiler. Good in bed, but also good at pizza. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> and Veronica Dashel. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Wow, that's great. Clearly, we all missed each other. <laughs> right. Alan threw me with a little twist on what Riker said there. <laughs> that's right, baby. All right, Alan, we got some news this week. Holy smokes, do we have some news this week? Actually, we had news last week, but I failed to have us do a live show. So here we are with news from last week and one that happened right after last week. So since we haven't reported on this on our show, we now know that Strange New Worlds Season 2 is going to be premiering June 15th. And we've known for quite a while now that that's going to be featuring Carol Kane as an engineering character. But we've also learned that it has been renewed for a third season, which I'm very excited about. Lower Decks Season 4 is going to be debuting this summer. And we know that Season 5 is happening, and it is currently in the writing stage. Prodigy. Prodigy. Season 2 is starting this winter. No news yet on a season three, but season two, like season one, is going to be a 20-episode season and in two halves. So it'll be still running through, you know, at least the first part of 2024. So um, the tweet that announced this from uh, whoever it was, season two will include wild surprises and some of the boldest storytelling we've done yet with familiar faces and new ones. Wow. Right. Given how given how Prodigy has progressed from a show that I kind of thought was initially like a kid show that was a Star Wars clone to a truly good Star Trek show, that statement fills me with anticipation, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we previously knew already that Disco, sorry, Star Trek Discovery will be ending <laughs> with season five and it'll be starting early 2024. But right after uh, all this news came out, we also learned that it is being replaced by a new series, Starfleet Academy. And uh, it was announced. There's no details about it yet. But we can sort of surmise that it's going to be set in the 32nd century because the announcement carried the description For the first time in over a century, our campus will be reopened to admit individuals a minimum of 16 Earth years or species equivalent. And coupled with that, with the fact that we know that Tilly left Discovery to go teach at the Academy, this is almost definitely going to be a Tilly spinoff show. And, you know, these non-Starship-based shows... We've been talking about, you know, I've, I've said a number of times that I would love to see a Starfleet medical show. I would love to see like a, a cop show, but set in the Star Trek universe. You can do anything. You can do a university show. You can do whatever. And now we're getting a Starfleet Academy show. And I think that that's something that's been people have talked about this forever, for decades. You know, there was a novel series based around. Starfleet Academy. So, you know, it's it's something that's been needed for a long time, and I'm super excited to see what they're going to be doing with it. Yeah, and I'm excited to, that the, the clues that it might be a 32nd century show. I do also want a continuation of the 25th century. Want 100%. Legacy show everyone's clamoring for, but I also want to see a continuation of that 32nd century. I'm really yes. fascinated by that, and I was, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to continue. Yes, 
Definitely. Yeah. Looking forward to that. That's it for the news this week. All Very right. Exciting. Keith, we got some this week in Trek this week. Yeah, I got a couple that uh, a couple I thought were pretty significant. The first off is the birth date of a actor who's still living. <laughs> and this is on the 4th of April, 1959. This actor, and there's a reason I'm bringing him up. This actor played in Miri, started out in the Trek universe and had a little role in the episode Miri as one of the kids. He played an astronaut in Enterprise who ended up far from home and whose dead body was uh, recovered. He played a young, eager ensign in the search for Spock, the one who asked Kirk would there be a party when they got back for the heroic deeds they had done. And what you might most remember is he played an incredibly memorable role, third Ramatakan, in the DS9 episode, Rocks and Shoals. Mm-hmm. He is famous as the son of Greg Morse, who started Mission Impossible. And of course, I'm talking about Phil Morse. Yeah. He was born on the 4th of April, 1959. And why nice. do you bring up, now, the reason I'm bringing up Phil Morse, in addition to the fact that he had all these roles, Phil Morse was absolutely one of the finalists to play Benjamin Sisko wow. on Deep Space Nine. Wow. Usually, as you know, when you say finals, there's like 100 people. That was a final. You know, like, yeah. oh, this is all. Phil Morse was in the absolute last group to potentially pay Benjamin Sisko. Wow, I he's a great actor. I have no idea what that would have been like. I, I remember him so much as playing the Johnny Cochran clone on Seinfeld <laughs> with the bad poems. Yeah, but he uh, that uh, Rocks and Shoals is one of the best episodes of DS Nine. I love him. Yes, cow, <laughs> I love that episode so much. Yeah, one more. Fifth of April, nineteen seventeen, is the birthday of a man who wrote three stories. One was called Queen of the Metal Men. The other one was called Broomstick Ride. And the last one was called, that I'm, more, that I'm talking about here, Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, is it? I'm going to guess. Is it? I'm going to say Richard Matheson or Robert Block. You're right. It had to be one of those two. It's Robert Flock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For wow. non-track fans, also famous as the writer of Psycho, among a million other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Mass horror and suspense. Those episodes that I just named, Queen of the Metal Men, became the Star Trek original series episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Mm. I Dr. thought Dr. so. Corby. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Corby, the androids. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper, became Wolf in the Fold. Mm-hmm. The little which uh, which the Sweatmans just reviewed last week with Mr. Higgins. Yep. yep. And Broomstick, right? Veronica became your favorite episode of the original series. I knew it. Awesome. <laughs> <F-ball>. <laughs> I knew it. And two, two more quick things. Uh, 6th of April, 1967. And there's just, there's, this is one of these like Marvel comics says, Nuff said, the debut of The City on the Edge of Forever. Arguably the single best Star Trek episode ever inarguably one of the most popular Star Trek episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just a wonderful episode. And the last thing we have is the history of the future. 40 years from now, on the 5th of April, 2063, the Vulcans oh, yep. will appear. Because right. <laughs> Zephyr Cocker will launch the first warp-driven starship from Earth, and the whole future of Earth will be changed. Mm-hmm. It'll be changed twice because, as we know from Enterprise, it can go a couple of different ways. Right? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I, I love that one. And I knew it was first contact day, obviously, obviously, and that's Veronica's birthday as well. Yeah, so I never happy birthday. That. But I, 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 for, had, I forgot that. Happy I birthday, Veronica! <laughs> yes, but I hadn't thought about the fact that it was the fiftieth pre negative fiftieth anniversary of first contact because it's twenty sixty three. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, 40. 40. Hmm? 40. 40. Oh, 40. You're right. My bad. My bad. That's okay. I'll be, I'll be dead just... anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, oh, you, dude, I think you might Never be around. <laughs> That's this week in Trek history. <laughs> okay, right. before we move on, I just want to get a couple of hellos. The first one is hey. from Matt Sweatman, our good buddy. And the uh, co-host of Monkeying Around, the podcast about the monkeys. No, he's not. That's the lane. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But also, look who's joined us tonight. Moxie Magnus. 
Hey, what's up, hey. Moxie? We have, you know, we've been doing the show for two years or whatever, and we have talked about having you on the show, and I don't, and we did once, and we need to do it again. So, Moxie, let us know when you're available to do a show with us. We would love that. Absolutely. Maybe reviewing the Picard finale. Okay. If you're listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But stay right there, because when we get back, we'll be talking about Star Trek Picard. Like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. Spoiler alert for Star Trek Picard uh, episodes D Dominion and Surrender. We have a lot of ground to cover tonight. Boy, oh boy. This is going to be a two-hour show, right? <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy. Is there a lot to cover? <laughs> we'll talk extra fast. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the first thing from Surrender is Tuvok. That was a big deal for Tuvok to be back. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Y you mean... Last week's Dominion, Dominion, I don't Dominion, know right? I, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to see good old Tim Russ. Yeah, sort of in character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man, I was so great to see him. Yeah, yeah. even though his ears look funny, they did. They were a little to the I side. I didn't like them. They they yeah. looked like cartoon Vulcan. I don't know. Well, that Vulcan on the bridge has the similar sort of like super big. Ears. That's true. Yeah. But it doesn't look out of place on her because we've never seen her any other way. Right. It looked weird on him. Yeah, I really like that Vulcan on the bridge, by the way. I really did mm. like her. Anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> too bad for you. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought that Tim Russ did a really good job of the, of, Especially every time you're so used to Vedic chewing up the scene and twirling her unseen mustache. I, I love the subtlety which with he revealed himself and the subtlety which, with which Seven, who, by the way, I'm glad to see back in the show centrally. I love the subtlety with which she revealed that that wasn't too long. I thought that was yes. a nice little scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed his performance of The Turn. And they, they talked about that on the ready room as well. It sort of it starts in the eyes and then his smile starts, you know, <laughs> yeah. and a little bit sort of spread across his face. I thought Tuvok, yeah. I mean, Tim Russ was great. I mm -hmm. I hope that we get yeah. it. I hope we get to see real Tuvok as well. Me too. Agreed. With his real ears. <laughs> right. And I, and I thought the uh, the transformation into that that Riker caricature was kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely crazy. Uh, side note: It's always for me. It's always weird when I see anybody from Voyager who went back and took another ship assignment. Um, I remember in one, I think, alternate future, Harry Kim was a captain of a ship that went on a deep space mission. I remember someone said, "I can't believe you're going to go into deep space for something like four years." And Harry Kim said, "Well, we were gone for seven. It's just weird to me. I, maybe he's home all the time, but after seven years away from his wife, it's weird to see that Tuvok took a ship assignment again. <laughs> maybe she's cool with it, I guess. But he might be at, he might be at Starfleet, like HQ or something. But that's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. So maybe mm -hmm. he's home every day or something. Mm -hmm. And clearly, his. I mean, I don't. We don't know because we haven't seen the real Tuvok. But you know, I guess his. Uh, whatever the disease was that he has at the end of Voyager hasn't quite fully kicked in yet, and he's still functioning. Otherwise, you would know immediately that it's not Tuvok. Yeah. But yeah, they said they needed they needed to get him back to. I think only Vulcans could cure him. So I, I guess they got him back in time to cure him because that was one of the reasons Janeway decided. Spoilers, y'all, for Voyager ending. That's one. So uh, that's one reason Janeway made the decision she made at the end of Voyager because yeah. because yeah. of him. I think it causes your ears to swell, though. <laughs> it's an unfortunate side effect of the medicine that treats it. Right. Um, but we've now that we've gotten Duvok in this show, 
we still haven't had, and you know, and this is so DS9 centric with the changelings and all this kind of stuff, and the you know, the the hints that the Paw Wraiths, I don't think it's the Paw Wraiths at all, but a lot of people are saying the Paw Wraiths are involved in this. Nothing, no DS9 cast. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> the cat's got in a fight. Sorry. <laughs> Speaking of changelings. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I commented on that to Veronica when we were watching the episode. It's like, because they're hinting real heavy about Janeway, that Janeway may be right. involved with this Frontier Day thing. And you got Tupac, yes. you got Seven of Nine, you got the whole yes. TNT cast, all these Easter eggs. And it's like, right. oh, but we need a good storyline. Let's go to DS9 for that. <laughs> right. And you, you've got to think that they're going to, you know, pull in something. Bashir. They're going to pull in, uh, you know, somebody right. to to because they're dealing with something that those folks dealt with directly head on front lines. There's got to be somebody coming in. And mm-hmm. what? Bashir would be perfect. Oh, yes, 100 percent. Well, you're right, because Cisco, O'Brien, um, Kira Norris, Bashir, yeah. heck, even General Martok. These people all have experience fighting those changelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's Maybe. got to happen. It's got to happen. Got to. Maybe at the end, like the big fleet battle, like a Bajoran fleet will show up led by Major General Kira. And <laughs> yes. A bit of Kira. Hell yeah. <laughs> um Patrick Anderson points out that Worf doesn't count. That's exactly right. I mean, yes, he does represent sort of the 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 DS9 cast, but it's not the the I mean, you know, he's there because he's TNG. Yeah. You've got to have one of those DS9 characters in the finale. Right? Right. And he also says it's going to be Morn. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I awesome. love I, it. I, I would be just as okay with that as um Bashir. <laughs> Right. I hope that it's not because he will take over anything he's in because he just won't shut up. Yep. <laughs> well, remember, Morin's already he was already on that report of like some of the most cunning uh, criminals in the known galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Charles, you said something interesting about the, the fleet battle. I um, I don't remember if it was um, the first of the two episodes we reviewing and the one before that. But I keep asking myself. They said one of the episodes specifically, the fleet will be in the Sol system. And I'm trying to figure out what heck percentage of the fleet are they bringing to the Sol system? Because Jordy's daughter said that he has, over his major protestations, that they were bringing the fleet to the solar system. Yeah, like nobody doing anything? Yeah, that's insane. Right. That is absolutely insane. You would not bring your the, the, even though I know this is Sector 001, it's the it's a, it's the headquarters of the Federation. You wouldn't bring the bulk of your fleet anywhere in one location. <clears throat> right. So that's insane. All of you yeah. outlying colonies will be fine for a few days. We're having a party <laughs> back on Earth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does seem a little bit silly. Um, it really does. But um, along the way, go ahead. I was going to say, Elaine just said that her Facebook captioning is calling Tuvok Tupac. Okay. okay. <laughs> he did not come back. No. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Dang, man. Actually, Elaine, Tupac could be a Vulcan or a Klingon name. It would work. Just throw an yeah. a, a apostrophe in there somewhere. There you go. There you go. It would work. Yeah. Well, along <laughs> the way, we got the, the backstory of Vatic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say, Vatic has been the least interesting part of this series so far. I agree. And I don't give a I don't give a crap about her backstory. Right. I I mean, I guess it was interesting, but I thought the backstory was interesting because what it tells us. But I agree with you, Alan. She chews the scenery too much, and even though she's been driven crazy by being physically tortured, as in she's endured a lot of pain. Um. Yeah, she's a little overactive. Although one thing that I found very, um, very interesting is them saying, and here's the question, who did this? They said that the Federation did not give the cure for the virus to the changelings. So was that the Federation? Was that Starfleet? Or was that Section 31 who had it? Or are we saying that the official bodies that we know, Starfleet or the Federation, withheld a cure and basically was complicit in what could have been genocide? That's not the Star Trek way, but what I like about it is if they did it, 
it is a Star Trek lesson because it's coming back to bite the Federation or Starfleet in the ass. This is not what they're supposed to do. It's why John Luke Picard did not engage in genocide against the Borg in the, in the series TNG because he couldn't he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Starfleet would have. Like Starfleet ordered him to. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah Admiral I mean, Che have read him the riot act for not right. killing off all the Borg. So I think that it's perfectly within what we've seen of Starfleet that they would do that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I agree. It seems like it's biting him in the butt. And then mm-hmm. I mean it, it's kind of reminiscent of Odo's backstory. And yeah. then she's being experimented yes. on by the scientist. Right. And Odo even has a, sort of yes. has like the hairstyle of the doctor that was experimenting on him and everything. Like mm-hmm. right. and she, she took on the full form of but it seems like these changelings, maybe because they're more perfect copies, are weaker. Like you could stab them, you can punch them, like you could stab or like kick Odo. No. You know? That's true, but yeah. he also didn't have. I mean, they seem to have more s- solidity, you know, than than Odo or any other changeling ever did. So even right. if you stabbed them, you would just be like plunging your fist into a like a pool of jello or something. Right. Whereas these guys, you can plunge a dagger in and it and it sticks. Yeah, that it's weird. That's it's very strange. Weird. Yeah. That's that's the one thing that continues to puzzle me about how they're depicting the changes in in the in the Deep Space Nine series. They made a very specific point more than once to saying when a changeling changed into a thing, it became that thing to the point where if you scan that thing, you didn't see a pile of glue. You saw a Klingon. You you scanned a rock. You scanned a cloud. Mm-hmm. So I always thought they were doing true, true. molecular level transformation yeah. where they could mimic human bodies. But yeah, you're right. right. You're right, because Vedic said or Vadic said that in exchange for being more perfect clones, they mm-hmm. they they gave they put upon themselves shortened lifespans and something like I think she says something like and and feeling pain and all these weird things. So Yeah, and apparently having lungs so you can smoke cigars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what is that about? Come maybe on. it's like when Odo would pretend to drink, you know, like maybe she's like well, making a cigar. That's true. Or maybe it's that we had cigars for two seasons with Rios. We we got rid of Rios. We can't get rid of the cigars, too. Someone's got to smoke a cigar. Right. What Star Trek needs is rock and roll and cigars. Yeah. That's what everybody needs. Yeah. Apparently. So, so I I personally disagree with how they're how they're describing the changes. I think that this ability is the same thing that Odo and his group would have had. But what I find interesting about it is, yeah, it looks like, Charles, you make a good point. It looks like if the Starfleet, if Starfleet or the Federation would tip, you know, intentionally withhold, withheld a cure, boy, did they set them up for something. I mean, in fact, yeah. this is almost inevitable to happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't see how it couldn't happen because, hell, I always, excuse me, heck, I always wondered how even just Odo was going to hold the great link you know, in control for centuries anyway. He's just one voice. And I always figured one day they were like, okay, Odo, whatever. We don't trust the solid. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, that brings to mind, that, well, that's, this is jumping ahead to this week's episode, but the Vatic's last line. Oh my God, cracked Yes, up. yes. Um, a couple of things. Elaine agrees with us by saying, even with her backstory, I still don't give a flip about her, Vatic. Right. <laughs> and Patrick Anderson says something worked for Doctor Who. I have no idea what. That's probably hey, in response I, to something else, but I don't Yeah. Know. Well, and they did with um Vatic, kind of the thing that they did with Osira, where just when she got a little bit interested, yes, they just kill her off. And I'm just yes. in the episode. So that but <sighs> it's the same sort of thing they did with, with, with Osira. Where they had the episode where all of a sudden she was super interesting and I, and she had that back and forth uh, with the atom. Yes. She's and then it's like kick you into the, the reactor shaft, you know, like and then yeah. Vatic is the same sort of thing. Right. Exactly. I, what is it with this? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think because they went the wrong path with having uh, the actress overact. The the couple of times I did like Vatic, even though I'm still not understanding the whole hand communication thing. Oh, but, we'll find out next week. Yeah. But what I do like, it it's actually the very small moments where Vatic is not overacting, where Vatic is truly looking terrified. And there's that moment between when the leader whatever threatens Vatic. And Vatic has this look on her face like, oh, my gosh, she's terrified. And then she puts on that crazy maniacal face. But in between when she's acting, just kind of low key, 
I really like her. You see, a, I think a, what could have been a better character than what she ended up becoming. Because I agree, she just and she talks so much, and she li she's monologuing like uh, the they said in The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah, she's a monologuing protoplasm. <laughs> right, <laughs> protoplasm. I like that. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was say we never got any development really of her henchmen. I mean, we're left no. with some, I guess that they're that they're changelings as well. Mm -hmm. Wearing cloaks and masks for some reason. Well, we've we've seen them do some shifting. Yeah. So you they're know, forming suits and masks for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. It has yeah. to be. But I guess we're done with those guys now. I guess we are. I, I mean we're just fighting the big giant head now. Right. Yeah. Yep. The so next two episodes. Next two episodes, we're going to be talking to the hand. Yeah. <laughs> so those were always masks that they were always wearing. Those bird-like crazy masks. They never bothered to tell us anything about them. Yeah, that's what's frustrating. Because if you look at those yeah. masks, those look exactly like masks that doctors and people wore during the Middle Ages, during plays. They're, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures oh. of that. They used sure. to wear those scary bird masks back in the day. So they're still in COVID protocol when this was being shot. <laughs> right. yeah, I could just never tell what the whole point of them was. I, yeah, I never got them. They kept making those weird clicking, chirping sounds, and I, I just kind of yeah. didn't get them. Yeah, it, I didn't. Yeah, made no sense. Yeah, and and her ship had kind of a weak <laughs> ending, I thought. As, as formidable yeah. as it was throughout the rest of the series, you know, with a yeah. portal weapon and all this stuff, and then... But the end is just sort of pew pew. You know, she kind of had a weak ending too. Yeah. I mean, first of all, apparently now your view screen just opens up to space. Right. Um, I'm glad my plasma TV doesn't do that. <laughs> as far as you know. But then, well, true, it just hasn't happened yet. But then she gets like blown out into space and she freezes and she. <laughs> I mean, it was just hilarious. And she's like toppling head over heels and then shatter. Which again it's, shows this is a different changeling because we know from DS9 that space means nothing to changelings. There was, I forget the name of the changeling that Odo meant. Lost. Yeah. Lost yeah. He's and traveling remember, at warp. Exactly. In, in yeah. pure space. You can't kill a changeling easily. Um, right. The, the right. They, these are more mortal. One of the things yeah. I thought was. One thing I thought was very interesting when I was kind of looking at what a couple of times they put in what I would consider kind of traditional Star Trek messages in addition to the Federation or Starfleet withholding the cure and, and you know, something that Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have liked. And if you wrote that story, he would have said, this is what happens. I do like when Beverly Crusher said that she could examine these new changelings and look for a way to stop them. But there was a moral quandary she had mm -hmm. because it could be a biological attack. Mm -hmm. Taking her down the exact same road again of do I... Do I basically do some research that could allow us to commit genocide? Uh, right. I thought that was a very interesting conversation that they had sure. there. Yeah, that's a good conversation to have on Star Trek. Right. Exactly. That's that's the essence right there, man. Mm -hmm. And, and then jumping to her character. Yeah. Yeah. But jumping ahead, you see that Beverly is kind of like sometimes I may have to violate my principles to mm -hmm. get it done. Yeah. Yep. Get her done. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, one, one. Uh, we're kind of like coming up on the half hour mark, so we need to get into uh, you know this week's episode. But I just want to say that last week's episode I didn't enjoy as much, and I think part of that was because it the whole thing was the ship, and there was no Worf and and Rafi. There was no Riker and Troy. You know, you didn't have these splinter stories, and I just felt like maybe it was. I mean, it was an important thing to accomplish everything that they did last that last week. But I don't know. I just not at the expense of especially when we just got Troy back at the very end of the previous episode. And then we have to wait a week to have anything with her at all. Right. But I'm going to say the wait was turned out OK because it was it was good stuff this week. Yeah. Well, let's get into Troy then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They, they built more upon the, what we had already been told that Riker was sort of not feeling anything and that Troy yeah. was feeling everything after their son died. But now it's yeah. like she was doing that. She was helping, suppressing his emotions, you know, for, yeah, he wouldn't feel it to help him carry the load. Um, I mean, that's heavy stuff. Yeah, it is. They didn't explore it quite to the same level that they did on Buffy. Okay. Remember that, um, I don't know if y'all ever watched Buffy, but Tara did a thing to Willow where she like basically erased 
part of her memories to protect mm-hmm. her from whatever the thing was that happened. I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've watched it. And it was it was devastating when Willow discovered what had happened, that this person that she trusted more than anyone else had done this thing to her. Right. And I think that they could have explored it a little bit more. I mean, they're they're at the end of the season. They can't have explored it to any kind of great extent. Right. You know, and it was basically one scene that ended with them, you know, reconciling and laughing it off, you know, but it was at least they made the point, you know, and I think it's an interesting response. Oh, wait, I forgot to change our view so that our ship can be visible. Um, I think it's an interesting response, you know, and she says, I was wrong. I forgot that thing that counselors all know that you cannot skip steps in recovery. You can't skip to the end of grief. And it'd be okay. So she knows that she did something wrong. And and I think that's what helped them, you know, have not reconciled because they never were irreconciled, but that they, that they understand the situation, you know? Right. I think, I think, um, I think um, in some ways, Alan, what you're saying, I think they were worse. It seems like they were, there's a worse thing in a marriage or relationship is where you're just not talking. Even if you're not, you know, sometimes if you're fighting, that's okay. And that's a good thing because yeah. you're communicating. Sounds like they just weren't even communicating anymore. That's what'll kill a relationship sometimes. Mm. Um, something else I thought very interesting when you guys are talking about Deanna, that sometimes I complain about the new track people altering characters and abilities. They've altered her abilities, but I'm actually yes. okay with it because what they're showing here and saying here with Riker and then jumping ahead, what she did with Jack Crusher later. They're showing that she's not just able to feel Riker's emotion because she's only half beta's or she's not a full telepath. She was actually able to go into his brain and change his emotions to a certain extent, which we've never seen. But then she well, has a very intimate relationship with Riker. And right. And you'll remember from TNG, you know, even though she's half Betazoid, she is empathic by nature with anybody. But someone who she has an intimate connection with, she does have telepathy. She can't express, but controlling their mental existence, that's a very different thing. Yeah, that's a new thing, which yeah. maybe may can be explained by her intimate relationship with Riker. Maybe, I don't know if she can yeah, do that to everybody. It's got to be. Yeah. But you know what else is interesting? I was, you know, um, when we were weeks and weeks and weeks without Deanna and Terry Metalis said, Oh, just you wait. She's yeah. going to be pretty much the linchpin to this whole thing. And I was like, okay. So knowing that she really can't read changelings, I was here's here's what I was hoping. I was hoping that it was going to be a situation like that episode in the first season with Armas and Tasha dies, and and basically it's Troy by herself, uh, injured and captured, and she basically psychoanalyzes Armas. And that was your first glimpse in the in the first season of a character that that Troy could be. And I was hoping that it was going to be something like that. Like she can't read. She can't manipulate Vatic, but she gets her. She gets into her. She gets into her head. She gets under her skin. And you find out that it's it's not because I'm a I'm a betazoid. It's not because I'm empathic. It's because I'm a damn good counselor and I can still read body language. I can still read facial expressions. I can still read reactions and I know what to do with them. That's what I was hoping that they were going to do. Like silence of the lambs, but with Troy, right? Silence <laughs> of the lambs, but not horrifically evil. I thought not that they, they expounded upon this, but when they mentioned the fact that she couldn't read changelings, um, following what you're saying, Alan, they introduced it as if it was a weakness in her but she still makes a she makes a perfect she and eddie telepath makes a perfect changeling detector you literally just have yeah. to say i can't read that person and right. unless it's a ferengi or somebody or an android you know we know she can't read then you know like that's that's a changeling that's, and that's exactly that's what i thought she was going to say when she said you know i knew as soon as they showed up that they were imposters right and, and she said you know i can't naturally read uh, changelings that's the clue right there that should have been what she said and it should have been like one of those they were stupid to send changelings because i know exactly that that that, that is not you you right. can't fool me that you that this person is Riker. 
Yeah, there's a there'll be a that's dance just spot the, the stupidest thing. That is so <laughs> stupid. Exactly. There'd be a dead spot in the room to her or anything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a, a a a store window mannequin that's just walked into the room that has right. nothing inside, and I mean that just shows you what a stupid person Vatic is. If that if she's the one that that did that that sent that off, that's just <laughs> dumb. She deserves to be dead. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> She got hers. <laughs> she sure did, buddy. Yeah. All right. That's my Troy rant for this. Night. That's so funny. One thing I uh, one thing I said many, many, many times in our last couple of years is when I watch Voyager, I love Jerry Ryan as an actress. I think she's a phenomenal actress. I've seen her in everything from this to Burn Notice and stuff. She's a great actress, but I always mm-hmm. felt, and it's not her fault, but she was given too much of the air in Voyager, my personal opinion. That's just my personal opinion. But you can never deny the fact she's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized I was missing her the last few episodes where she wasn't doing much. And it's yes. so nice to have her back in the show again, centrally. She really adds a lot. And I love her interactions with Shaw. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird because I can't tell. Like, here's the thing: after the whole series, would he say like, "Thanks for saving me, Seven. You now you're stripped of you're stripped of your role. I'm going to throw you in a brig." I, they have a weird thing going on between them, and I love it. <laughs> right. I like that she finally asserted uh, her identity to him. That her, like, I'm, yes. my name is Seven of Nine. Yes. Right. You know? Yes. And he he hasn't said it yet, but at least she said that to him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And you know, I'm I'm just gonna say, uh, okay, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, we end this episode with our TNG main cast all back together and all sitting around the conference table, just like the old days, except they're all in their seventies. So, but I tell you, if if this show continued with those seven and with seven of nine and Rafi, I would be one. Hundred percent on board. You know, I, I always, I always kind of struggled with, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. I struggled with seasons one and two because I just never felt the connection between the main cast of Picard. I never felt like they gelled or they were family or anything like that. But right. as soon as Rafi and Seven came on to this show, this season with these seven characters, everything seemed to fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we never Agreed. got to see the season one and two crew as a crew. Right. We saw, we saw them before they were a crew and after they were a crew. We talked about that last season. We did, yes. When we when we met them last year at the beginning of the season, it was like, oh, remember when we were a crew? Like, no, I don't. <laughs> we yeah. don't. Right, exactly. But, you know, it's interesting because as soon as you see Rafi and Worf together, they just click. They just work. They just fit. And part of that is that this episode, this season is so well written and the characters are done really well. But the, it, there's just this chemistry between them. It just works. Right. Absolutely. And I'm just loving it so much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I agree. Speaking of chemistry and Worf, the scene between Worf <laughs> and Troy, I was like, really? Oh my gosh. Really? No. <laughs> that was so awesome. What is wrong with you? That was what so awesome. Well, I remember they had a thing going on for a minute. Yes, and since then, there's been Judzia. <laughs> and Ezra. You don't forget Ezra. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get... After Judzia, Worf would not be carrying a, a, a torch for no. Troy anymore. No. Like, right. I've been counting the days since I last saw you. What? Well, no? but, you but, they, but they were still friends. It doesn't mean that the, he still has romantic feelings for her. But, they played but he, that way, though. Yes, maybe. maybe, but yes. um, let me let me get a couple of things here. Matt Sweatman wants to know how we know that uh, we aren't changelings. Well, I would be way more attractive. I would then, then, you, then clearly you are a changeling. No. <laughs> um, he also says that was an emotional reunion. Oh my god! And the yes. that scene in the in the hallway with uh, Jordy and and Data. Oh, that was so cute. Holy cow, that was great. Alan, um, when, um, to, to jump to real quick on what you said, when Jordy saw Data for the very first time, you saw emotions play on LeVar Burton's face in like 10 seconds. Yep. That was a great <laughs> act. Matt also says he liked Riker's little jealousy. That, that was really cute. Yes. And Elaine says, I loved when Riker chimed in with inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I yeah. really, I really loved those all those scenes between Riker yeah. and Troy, and the way that they sort of joke with each other, and mm-hmm. you know, and they can they can jump between 
you know, I have this, this huge hurt and emotion with you, but then they joke with each other and they, they just have the most natural chemistry with each other. And I'm, they've been best friends for 40 years, you know? Right. So, you know, they have that just themselves, but I loved the way that their exchanges were written and I love the way that they played them. Yes. For Veronica, this is what Worf said. I have counted the days since I last saw you like waves in the ocean, constant and unending. I have thought of your empathic gifts. This is weird. Often during my self-evaluation. And she goes, well, that's nice, Worf. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I think that might've been a little joke, inside joke there. And the work I've done on myself, the mm-hmm. levels of sensitivity I have achieved. And Riker's sitting there going, what the hell? Right. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't thought about their ex during their self-evaluation at some point? I mean, that's just that's a true. natural thing. That is true. That you is know, true. One thing I thought was really cool, I give Terry Metalis and company credit for in the midst of all that, is adding those little Star Trek touches that are Star Trek touches. Mm. If you remember in uh, <clears throat> Red and Circuses, mm. when the pro console was going to make Kirk call the ship and beam the people down, Kirk says, Scotty, condition green, all's well, and hung up. And yes. that, was a, that was a code. I love the fact that Riker gave command codes or a gave, but they were modified command codes so that you could maybe be tortured or like he was going through and give them these codes. But the code that he gave them was a, I'm in trouble. I've been captured. I thought yeah. that was awesome. That, you yes. Know, to bring something like that up. And we, and we saw them do that a number of times on TNG. Yes. And, and I loved that. I love that callback to that. Right. Yeah, yeah, because you got to have a way to give a you have you got to have a way to give people a secret message when you're in dire situations without yeah. you know having to say something. Right. And I and I have to admit I chuckled when um, when Riker told Deanna that that he couldn't um, he couldn't let her be tortured anymore. And then I love he said if I know Jean Luc he's got a plan. And he basically said he's got the situation under control. And then they and then Alan you'll you'll love it of course. Then they shot back to Vedic and she was giving one of her monologues when she was yeah. talking to the ship and she was babbling on and on and on about how she was going to kill somebody. Blah blah blah. But I thought that was a funny scene when Riker said he was pretty yeah. sure Picard had the situation under control. And yeah, not that was quite. a callback to Star Trek Six. It's like if I know the captain, he has the situation well in hand. Yes. And then he's <laughs> fighting a big alien. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of aliens, the girl that almost got killed and she's got like a green head. Yeah. What species is she? I think they refer to them as they on the show. Yeah. I think they've been referring to them. As oh, they. I didn't notice that at all. But OK, yeah, so fine. Exactly. What are they? What species are they? It's a, it's a species from TNG. I don't remember. It's like is Aquiel. It? I think they're from Aquiel. Oh, yeah. OK. I knew it looked like sort of, of familiar. Mm-hmm. Who, who was I thought is, isn't one of the people on the bridge? Uh, half the race that Ilya was in the move Star Trek the motion picture. I the Deltons? The Vulcan is supposed to be one fourth Delton. According oh, to the back, okay. uh, behind the scenes information that hasn't been on the show. Okay. Yeah, but that's what they've said in interviews. Was oh, interesting, movie. interesting, and that's why she's bald. Um, oh, okay. I liked her too. She had a presence about her. Oh, too bad. Um, I, I want to get a couple of comments because one of them leads into the next thing I want to bring up and. Um, Elaine says, big love to Spot. He saved the day. And Matt wonders, did you catch on to what Data was up to when the partition was coming down? Yes, I did. Yeah. When yeah. I think it was the second thing that he gave, that he handed to um, Lore. And I thought, I know what he's doing. He is intentionally surrendering and he is like basically investing himself in Lore. Right. I know what's going on. This is, he's giving up too easily and he's, but he's in fact not giving up too easily because he is planting seeds for Lore's takedown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he basically over his memory of Tasha Yar. That's right. Thing to him. Right. Yeah. That's huge. That's a huge yeah. thing. I think yeah, and, Brett Spiner has done a great job of switching between those characters so easily as he did. Oh yeah. That's, that's his bread and butter, man. Isn't it? <laughs> You've got like five characters to play. <laughs> but you know what? I, I enjoyed it. The the couple of small scenes that we got where it's just the one being and all these different personalities in him and he's switching mid scene yes. into these different personalities. And I would like for them to have carried that on longer because yeah. in this one, it's him playing two parts, two distinct parts in his own mind. 
I would like to have seen him have that. that and they never, you know, they mentioned Lal one time and her personality is in there somewhere. I would like to have seen him have to do her too. I would like to have seen him switch, you know, I just feel like it was, it was too quickly done. I want him to, of course, be predominantly data, but I want those other personalities still there that express themselves in some way. When I backed up later and they said that two of the characters he had inside of him, he had their files only, but not their actual personalities. Mm. And I thought Law okay. and was one of them. And I thought Dr. Soong would basically, he had, it's like Probably. he was had. Before and Soong was who I thought they said. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, he, I don't he didn't that. have their personalities. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see wanting more of that, but at the same time on this show and in just the new Star Trek in particular, they've had trouble with carrying things too long. Yeah. So I'm okay with yeah. them sort of moving. They've done a good job this season okay. of moving it, you know, keeping this, the pacing going. I agreed. Agreed. Um, Matt just says that Brent's performance this season has been amazing. I don't Absolutely. I can't see us anymore because we're so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I wish I could make this on top so I could we could see the ship and we could see the comments. Yeah. The only time I didn't care for Brent Spiner's uh, incredible chameleon-like abilities was that, in my opinion, that not very good episode where he kept babbling about Masaka. Masaka. Masks. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah, masks. I, I like. I had the benefit of being like thirteen when masks came out, so I didn't mind it at all. <laughs> I loved. TNG seasons six and seven, where they started to just do weird episodes just because. <laughs> right. And that was the right. weird, that was one of the weirdest. There was another one that was equally bizarre. Well, and you're just like, about... what is Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, what, are, what do we think about what they, the storyline with Data, that bringing him back, the way they've done it? I was really amused when um, Jordy was like, we may lose data for the last time. I'm like, really? Could yeah, I know. For the last time, <laughs> our odds because... are good. Because <laughs> we've lost him like... for the last time a couple of times now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 my personal opinion is Moriarty showing up and having, as as Rafi said, I agree with Rafi. You basically have an insane android in, in uh, charge of security for the most important facility in the Federation. I yeah. think the position they had data in is insane. Uh, that makes no sense to me. But it is what it is. It, it literally makes no sense. You wouldn't put somebody like data because he could have done exactly what he did despite all the safeguards. Uh, and speaking of how Charles, you somehow bring data back, you know, I often comment on the technological stuff, but I let it go because I love the crew so much and I was having so much fun. Yeah. I literally wrote down again, Jordy, you plug data into the ship. He literally plugged them into the ship, and they can. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to take. And then he plugs an optical cable into data and plugs it into a console in the ship. And like five minutes mm-hmm. later, I'm like, no shit, no shoot. They're like, oh, <laughs> data just took over the ship. Like, no kidding. But it's over. <laughs> Did you even watch TNG, George? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I, I like that they called out the fact that. I mean, Data's big thing in season one is that he wanted to be let go. He didn't want to be resurrected. He wanted to yes. just let go. And then Picard was like, sorry, <laughs> you're back. You know? I, and he's well, like, no, that's fine. I did yeah. like that that Picard asked the question. Right. I hope yeah. that what we've done hasn't violated your wishes. That was great. I love that line. Also, I think those two were very different datas because one of those mm-hmm. datas has lived all of those yeah. years. And this data, his experiences. Is- and his experiences were not that long. There's like a 40 year gap in ish. Yeah. From Nemesis is 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, or 20 and change, but, um, I, I, I like that data is just delighted to be an old man because it's yeah. part of the human experience and it's new. He's like, Oh, I'm old. <laughs> right. Right. I can crack my neck now. <laughs> and, and it took me a second to realize that they didn't have all that crazy, the, the white makeup on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Brent Spiner is incredibly grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure Brent Spiner demanded that. <laughs> that's probably in his contract. And because it, yeah. it look, it, it's silly. The older he gets, the, for him to have the data makeup on, I think they have a good compromise here of just the eyes. And mm-hmm. just, yep, Data's an old man now. Well, and and <laughs> that's know? that's the thing. His mannerisms are so completely Data. Mm-hmm. He yeah. has not lost control of that character in all these years, and that's what sells it. You don't need the makeup. 
Right. Because you've got Brent, and Brent is doing the data. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you guys are making a very good point about about Picard saying data want to be let go and stuff. I think there's a very fascinating philosophical conversation around data. There are some of us, some people who say, you know, if you live forever, you want to live forever. If you could be immortal. Mm -hmm. And what I find mm -hmm. interesting is I remember in the two part of TNG Times Arrow, where data actually said it was oddly comforting to him to know that he might die. Yeah, because that's being human. And, you know, some of us go, dude, are you kidding? I don't want to die. I want to be immortal. So I, I love the conversations around that, which yeah. is sometimes dying is part of being human. And that's what he wants to be, which includes dying. Mm -hmm. Yes, stuff. absolutely. Elaine says he's the only one that I know that is happy about having a crick in his neck. <laughs> right. Hey, if it's the first time you've ever experienced it, I'm sure it's an exciting thing. <laughs> now, if it keeps happening, he'll get tired of it. <laughs> I can I can imagine Data just waking up with you know he slept funny and he's just so thrilled about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can't hurts. move my neck. <laughs> uh, I had to I had to get pee four times last night. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say that I didn't expect Vatic to be offed this episode and and it's kind of coming down to exactly what i was saying that it's like a series of episodes and then essentially a two-part finale just like they have done on discovery and with the with the exit of vatic that leaves only the big bad that we don't even know who that is or what that is so we right. still have to find that out but that's going to be the central point of the next two episodes and then preventing whatever they're, they're supposed to be happening on first contact day. Yep. Right. So, very nice. Very right. nice. I'm looking forward to it. And of course they still have to get enterprise D back. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. They, they have to. I, I'm still my... sticking with my Borg theory. I still think it's the Borg queen out there. Wow. Yep. I'm, st I'm okay. staying true. All You're right. right. Alan, I wrote in my notes that they basically have a two hour movie left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But what did y'all think? Um, I thought one of the most emotionally powerful moments in the great acting was when Jordy was literally begging Lore not to kill his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was powerful acting. Mm. But, and then on the other side, you see Jack do whatever the hell he's doing where he mentally bonded with um, Ensign LaForge. Mm -hmm. And Lily was showing her how to fight. And mm -hmm. I'm still not going to mean, first off. It was like, I wish he'd hold my hand. He held her hand. And she said, why do you do that? I don't know what the heck was going on, but I thought that was a really powerful scene. And I love seeing Jordy with that emotional desperation, just begging yeah. Laura and basically, and uh, Spider is playing Laura. He's cackling madly, not like Vatic, but he's doing, you know, <laughs> the good lore. I thought that was a really good scene. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what do we think about Jack? I mean, he's, I guess it's, we're gonna get a lot of answers about him next week. I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I don't and, know what he is with telepathic abilities. I thought he was. Um, we the, talked the about he might have. Apparently, know about. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or they're like planted there or something. Yeah. It's but it's a little more than telepathy. It's like he can he can take control of someone's actions. Mm -hmm. That's true because he was doing it from the from the <clears throat> place that he took he took control of that one officer on the bridge yeah. who almost overrode the commands the command codes yeah, yeah. He, he can kind of assimilate them oh <laughs> I see where you're going <laughs> I think Starfleet Medical should check Beverly out because she keeps having super babies <laughs> <laughs> they need to start superpowers. They need to start breeding her. I mean, come on. <laughs> Crank us out some more superheroes, Bev. Right. You know, that's a good point because they're, they're, they're son, her son's about two different men and they both are unusual. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So clearly she's the connection here. Yeah. Um, okay, hang on. Let me get some things. Elaine says, any idea who the blob face is? I still say Armus. Okay. I don't, I don't really say Armus. I have no clue, unless it's nope. the Great Link. But do we think the Great Link is involved, or are these these uh, Borg? I mean, Borg. Sorry, these changes we see. Do we think they're only a splinter group? Is the Great Link where we think Odo still is involved, or do we have any thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't know. I have whether, no guess. Yeah, whether it's my theory or not, um, I think there's going to be some kind of twist in the finale. I don't think it's going to be more changelings. 
Yeah. Because we've already right. had changelings. You know, right. I feel like they're going to want something big for the finale. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. totally. Um, Matt says, do we think there might still be a surprise guest this season? Yes. yes. 100%. Hundred percent. I think Janeway is going to be at the end. I think Janeway is a given. I think that she will definitely be there, and I'm still hoping for Kira, or Bashir, or somebody from DS9. Yeah. Now, of course, Kira sort of had her turn on Lower Decks. I want to see her for real, mm-hmm. you know, for real life. But so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be okay if it was Bashir or someone else. Mm-hmm. But Get, I would still rather talk, see Kira. Every, talk every Brooks into a cameo. You know, it's it's uh, an afternoon. You know, that like, would be on. great. That Dude, would that would great. that would blow my mind. Right. That would be the most unexpected thing ever. Just have him making a speech at Frontier Day, <clears throat> like it's nothing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he can shoot it in his house in front of a green screen, and, and they can let, just yeah. And let every Brooks make up the speech <laughs> on the on the on the line. Jeez, can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god. Well. And also, what we're saying logically, Ben Cisco is literally the one person you want to consult on this in this situation. He fought yeah. the Dominion. I mean, he yeah. fought the Dominion. I mean, goodness, he's the guy. Yeah. But you know, I mean, we're thinking main cast. But you know, there are other people. I wouldn't mind at all seeing Admiral Ross. Mm. Yeah, I loved. I love that Admiral Ross. I, I so love cool. that guy. Yeah, um, yeah passed away though. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, oh that the, sucks. How about Nacheyev? Is she still around? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is still around. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind seeing her either. Me either. Um, Matt also says, what's behind the red door? <laughs> no flipping clue. Um, Elaine just responded to, to Matt's question. <clears throat> I really oh. like her response. <laughs> that would be that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I don't see why he'd be behind the red door, but right. that's the one thing Jack is most afraid of, of discovering. His half brother Wesley. <laughs> so do we think that Wesley Crusher is going to show up, or do we think they, they that's why they, he was tacked on to season two because he wasn't in season three? I hope he shows up. Well, I, I don't know. I would have think by now he would have shown up given all the danger his mom's been in for the last several months. Yeah. Mm, maybe I mean, he, he showed up on Earth for no good reason, as far as I'm concerned, and cracked a joke and disappeared. He's got right. all these space. You know, he's got all these right. space time powers. I would have I would have thought he would have shown up by now if he if he were going to. Yeah. Right. Earlier in the season, I was thinking that, oh, it's a given because he's already been on the show. He's been introduced. All he gets to do is show up. But now right. about, he, he felt very shoehorned into season two. Right. And that might have been because, you know, we want to check that box and we don't have a spot for him in season three. So who it's, knows? Really? Who knows? But, you know, here's the other thing, though. There was all that talk before the season ever started about mm-hmm. Denise Crosby being in this season so is is the hologram is that what we got of her is that it for tasha or yar or whatever i mean what what was the chick Selah? you know is that is that all we're getting of her i mean i wouldn't be surprised if that's all we're getting of her but i think that's yeah. it i think that's yeah. all we're uh, i think that's yeah. all we're getting of her i think so too well, I yeah. think Frontier Day would be a good time to cram in whatever cameos you want. Yeah. Oh, you, you know we're going to get some. And, yeah, celebrities and Reg Barkley can be there and yes, whomever. Yes. You know what I mean? You, you know hey, we're getting some. Yeah, it's going to be the give, whole fleet supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah Charles, given exactly. What you, given what you just said, if this were Lower Decks on, the, on, the, <laughs> on that day, every single bad guy that we've ever seen would be there. You know, that'd be like a whole section of all the bad guys. Armist mm-hmm. would be there. The you know the the uh, the female changing would be there. They would just have a whole section. They might even have it labeled. You know, like villains or something <laughs> like that. The, the difference is that all you have to do is draw them. You don't have to hire an actor to come in and do them. Right. Because you don't have to give them any lines. Because you know Shelby was in an episode of Lower Decks and no lines. So you didn't have to hire. What's her name? I can't remember her name. Elizabeth hmm? Dennehy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one last real quick thing. At the end of the episode, I actually wrote in my notes, it looks like Deanna Troy finally yeah. will be shown as the important character she always should have been. Yeah. Um, instead of this, this, you know, instead of the blast that someone is hiding something, I can't tell who or what, she gets on the ship and she instantly said, there's darkness on this ship. That's mm-hmm. the Deanna Troy I always wanted to see. And she mm-hmm. said, it's not in Jack. It's attached to Jack. Yeah, that's the story I want to see. And then again, they enhanced her powers kind of, sort of, because she's in Jack's mind, walking with him. They've never shown her as having that kind of telepathy. 
I'm well, okay sort that. of, sort of. They did that with her mother, though, when she was, you know, yeah. on that whole thing of un- unveiling the 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 lost sister that she never knew that she had. Right. Mm. And I'm okay with that because, again, her mom and mm-hmm. Riker are intimate people. But I'm okay because here's the thing: you would also expect her powers to maybe get a little stronger over the years. Yes, yes. The more she, yes, the more she experiences, the more it grows. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Charles. No, go ahead. Uh, so I'm just tickled to see Troy finally getting the, the respect she deserves. 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Star Trek aliens, their powers or whatever the story needs it that week. Yeah. <laughs> they just make them up as they go. Yeah. That's, That's true. true. All right. Well, that brings right. us to the end, I think. Did we miss anything? Probably. Because uh, this was a lot of ground to cover, but we hit all the big uh, notes. Yeah. Veronica, are you going to use Worf speech in your, your clothes? No. She doesn't know yet. The only reason I don't want to step on it, but I, 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 Michael Dorn is one of those people who can somehow do comedy and seriousness and make it work. But when mm-hmm. they all sat around the table and he says, I have slaughtered countless enemies across the years and considered, considered sending their severed heads to all of you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, Worf. <laughs> I love Worf. Warrior monk indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also really liked um, the way that uh, Jordy confirmed Picard and Picard confirmed Jordy. Yeah, that, that was, was cute. cute. That was cute. That was great. Oh, and one last real quick thing I forgot. We talked real quick. I love the battle with Rafi. This is such a better Rafi than I've ever seen. That's the Rafi who was sparring with War because she took out a whole bunch of people single handed. Yeah. Awesome. And then Worf criticized her for it. <laughs> <laughs> They're so great together, man. They I are. love them. Oh, everybody keeps talking about a Shaw spinoff. I, it's got to be a Worf and Rafi spinoff, man. Come right. on. Yeah. Right. And Shaw can, can be in it. That's fine. Yes. Right. <laughs> drive him around. Right. <laughs> I think they have now, with how they've done this, I think they've introduced enough characters old and new where they could absolutely continue with another series. Even if yes. Picard oh, yeah. and Riker and companies are a little bit in the background, mm-hmm. they... They have enough people with um, Jordy's daughters and Shaw and Seven and yes. some of those bridge crew that I'd like to see more of, such as the young man who said, she said, tell uh, the one she was going to kill. She said, tell Jack to come up here. And he said, I can't because I'm Starfleet. What a yep. brave line that was. <laughs> and, and I want to know why the Bajoran's name, first name is Matthew. Thank you. you. Know? Like there's. He's got to be point. half. He's got to be half human. Or adopted or something. Or adopted, that's true. And I was thinking the same thing. His 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 ridges do look a little less pronounced than we would normally yeah. see. So maybe he is half. Well, Rose the, did too, though. They they struggle with the classic stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Alan, where can we right. find more of you? Well, I have another podcast. It's called Modern Musicology. And I have talked a couple of times about guests that we were having that were coming up. And one of them is legendary bass player. I just forgot his name. Tony Levin, uh, who has played with everybody and has played, is on the upcoming Peter Gabriel tour and album. And he gives us a little preview of what the album is going to be like. So listen for that episode. And the most recent one is... Uh, the original bass player and drummer of the band Heart, which oh, my favorite oh. band. Ooh. So good. We had some great interviews recently. So you can find that and you can find all of my other nonsense at cosmiccreative.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C creative.com. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on the standard social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups, especially Earth Station Trek. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Yeah, we've got a lot of felt nerdy shows coming up, both for adults and for families. So yeah. we need to do better about announcing those. But also, <laughs> I mean, follow us on Facebook because we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Yes. And then what else? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Yep. And our next episode or two are going to be uh, focusing on some shows that we went to. Um, Mickey, the Mickey Dolans was performing, which if you missed it, you'll be able to hear not only our impressions of it, but also some audio from the shows. So uh, check it out. I mean, just like you're there with us. <laughs> I, you, you, you got Charles and uh, Veronica, you guys are so much younger than me. I wish I could give you ability to time travel back to the days when the monkeys were around. Because I grew up during those days. It's so wild to see somebody so young who's so cool with the retro stuff. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> All right, Veronica. You've had moments to think about it. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. Effing solids. Hey, that's good. Exactly. Girl, that is perfect. the. I was gonna say if you didn't do that, I was gonna do that. <laughs> I'm really glad no one else said it during the thing because that was the only quote I could remember. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.